Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Guardian. First, I apologise for starting this podcast with the horribly familiar sound of an alarm clock and all the associations that entails. Second, listen closer. There's another noise in the background. Can you guess? It's the sound of a mechanised rubber arm slapping a sleeping woman in the face. This is the Wake Up Machine, a DIY wall-mounted robot that works in tandem with the alarm clock to activate the rubber arm, whipping it around and forcing the sleeper out of bed. The machine was designed and built by the very woman being slapped from sleep in the video that you just heard. My name is Simone Yach, which is a very unintuitive pronunciation of my last name, which is spelled G-I-E-R-T-Z. Simone is my guest on today's episode. I'm mostly known for making useless machines and I run a YouTube channel about them. Simone is a self-professed maker of shitty robots, and the wake-up machine is just one of her many inventions designed to take a mechanical approach to everyday tasks. Simone showcases her creations on her own YouTube channel. While she admits that none of her robots are meant to do their job well, Simone's fascination for technology and electronics have made her a role model for young robot makers worldwide. So what does this queen of shitty robots make of our increasingly robotics-reliant society? And does she recognise the possible pitfalls of human-robot interactions in her day-to-day work? It's all about hoping that you're on the robot's good side once they start getting smart enough to actually start an uprising. So you, you just get, you get to start that relationship early on. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and this is Chips With Everything. I caught up with Simone on a foggy afternoon in London, which for her was a bright and early morning in San Francisco. These are the first words I'm saying today, so you get me fresh <laughs> off the bed press. How are you doing? I know it's early over there. Did a did a robot slap you awake this morning? It did it did not. I, <laughs> I woke up or I mean I have an Amazon Echo that kind of slaps me awake, it feels like. <laughs> Fair enough. Have you always had an interest in making machines or in technology more generally? Not really in technology. I think I've always I've always liked making things, but it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s that I realized that technology was fun. And what was it that made you want to start designing your own robots? I think it just, I had a lot of ideas of projects that I wanted to build and I was always just looking for somebody else who could do it for me. And then I realized <laughs> like, hey, you should just, teach yourself how to do it it makes way more sense so it was mostly like I didn't learn about 
electronics and robotics for the sake of electronics and robotics. It was more like just as a tool to build the ideas that I had. What Can you tell us some more about some of the robots in particular that you've designed? What Have you got any favorites maybe? I just like all of my machines equally because <laughs> uh, they're all uncomfortable and cumbersome and generally tend to throw things at me. Um, but I think the one that I've done that has been seen the most is the wake-up machine, which is an alarm clock that slaps me in the face with a rubber arm. And that one's been seen around 80 million times on different platforms, which is a weird kind of internet legacy, but I'll take it. (laughs) Um, I've also done a lipstick robot that puts lipstick all over my face. I've made a drone that cuts hair. I mean, it's just it's just a general mix of things. So you said there that the robots that you make, you dislike them equally because they're all cumbersome and uncomfortable. Why specifically focus on making those kinds of robots? Is it something to do with maybe relieving the pressure to strive for perfection? Is it maybe like a, an artful commentary on the state of technology? Or is it just because it's fun? The thing about building useless machines and and ones that just don't work very well kind of came as a way for me to teach myself about robotics because I always, I mean, as a lot of people, I struggle with performance anxiety and in school, I would always beat myself up if I didn't get great grades and stuff like that. And teaching yourself about robotics or electronics has a huge room for error. Like, it's really easy to fail and misunderstand things and do things the wrong way. So in a way to, like, relieve pressure off of myself for that, um, I was like, oh, I'm just going to set out to make things that don't work. And it kind of made it easier for me to approach it. So given you've got this collection of robots that are basically terrible at their job, do you think it would be fair for people to use that as evidence that we as a society are pretty far away from having the kinds of useful robots that we see in science fiction? No, I think just that we have useless examples of something doesn't mean that there are useful ones too. I I guess I'm just trying to like increase the diversity of skill levels within robotics. While Simone's robots seem comically niche in terms of their purpose, this isn't really anything new. Many of our existing robots are dedicated to a single task. Factories are full of robots that form one part of a production line, performing a single action over and over again. We have robots that scan cherry trees to find the best branches to shake the fruit from. A Roomba vacuums floors. And as technology improves, it seems inevitable that we are heading for a future in which robots will take on more and more of our tasks, from driving us to work to taking care of the elderly. For some people, this is a cause for anxiety. But I wondered if someone as engrossed in the world of robotics as Simone is would feel the same way. Things like personal robotic assistance in the home. Honestly, it's it's a little bit of both. I mean, r- robots are, they are what we make them to be. And they can be great and they can be helpful. They can also be really dangerous, but both, both intentionally and unintentionally. So it's it's a little bit of both. I mean, whenever you have strong motors controlled by a maybe not super strong brain. I mean, that's a thing to be cautious of. Is there a particular kind of robotic assistance that you would like to see in future? I mean, I really wish that I had a robot that could both vacuum my floors, which we kind of already have, but that could also mop them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, revolutionary. 
But the future, we will have them. That's the dream. As robots become a bigger part of our lives, we're seeing a lot of emotional attachment to them. You know, there's videos of children hugging things that they think are robots. Do you ever feel that kind of connection to the robots that you create? Do you give them personalities? Do you feel sorry for them when they break? I feel like, to me, what I've more been thinking about is the emotional connection people have when there are robotics companies who put out videos of them, like, kicking over robots to test how they get back up. And there's this weird projection of emotions on it where, yeah, you feel sorry for it. I don't – I feel like when you make the machine and you kind of know how how it's done, it doesn't – yeah, you don't really feel sorry for it in the same way. I guess I was going to make some connection about kids. When you make your own kids, you don't feel it. But I realize that doesn't make sense at all. And it also <laughs> makes you sound like a terrible person. So scrap that. So do you think Do you think maybe everyone should get involved in making robotics? Maybe just for a bit, just so that they learn more about how they work. I think everyone who wants to should. And we're getting to a point where more and more people are able to. Because what's really interesting that's happening in, in, in electronics and in making is that the price point is dropping so much. You can get a really powerful Raspberry Pi computer for like 3 to $5. And at, at that point, like so many people can start playing around with it and learning about it. Simone owes her career in robotics to another modern technology, YouTube. She had made a toothbrush helmet, a helmet with a motorized arm holding a toothbrush that would brush her teeth when she wore it, for a children's show she hoped to make. When the pilot wasn't picked up, she uploaded the invention to YouTube. The video now has more than 500,000 views, and her popularity has continued to grow. In the three years since, Simone has used her channel to share her creations and her journeys in making them. But are there challenges in tying your work so closely to social media? You always have to be 10 steps ahead people in the comments and make sure that they can't use things in a way that you don't intend them to. We'll find out after this short break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. In this week's Books Podcast, we're getting the lowdown on the 2018 Man Booker winner, Anna Burns, and hearing Kate Tempest chat to her editor, Don Patterson, about the art and process of writing poetry, and how being a poet involves engaging with life at different frequencies. All in this week's Guardian Books Podcast. Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. 
Before the break, we met Simone Yarch, the self-proclaimed queen of shitty robots. Much of Simone's work in robotics is based on YouTube, where she posts videos about her inventions to more than a million subscribers. The internet has revolutionised the way in which we are able to communicate about the things we love, as you'll know if you've watched me play video games on Facebook Live for The Guardian. This increased accessibility has advantages and disadvantages. So how has Simone found it? Now, this is obviously the kind of lifestyle that has only been possible for a few years. How different do you think that your life would be if you'd been born at a different time without this kind of technology? I think, I mean, obviously, all of our lives would be really different if we were born in a different time. Like, it doesn't only apply to people who have very internet-specific jobs. Like, technology is definitely affecting us all and in in societies across the world. I think, of course, it would be a little bit more difficult to be an inventor of useless machines. <laughs> but, I mean, I maybe I'd try to run a patent company or something like that. But also, I mean, then it would be a way bigger factor of being a woman and a lot of things would be a lot more difficult, like voting. So <laughs> who am I to say? For many vloggers, posting about their passions often also invites insight into their personal lives. So how have you found it interacting in this kind of ever more emotional digital space? I think like anybody who's on YouTube has to kind of draw a line what you want to share and what you don't want to share. Like, it's just everyone has to decide what what they're comfortable with and not. And people who are vloggers and who run YouTube channels where they vlog from their daily lives tend to share a fair amount. I mean, I don't really... I, I share some personal things, but I try to kind of make it mostly about building stuff. But then when, like, life throws really weird curveballs at you, or you're like, oh, I can't navigate around this, I have to kind of tell people what's up. How much time do you spend thinking about the effects of the videos and other content that you share? Do you think about maybe the risks of of putting that kind of stuff online and maybe worry that it could be used against you? Yeah, you always, I mean, you always have to be 10 steps ahead people in the comments and make sure that they can't use things in a way that you don't intend them to mm. um, and kind of diffuse all the all the mostly sexist comments before they they come up. Um, But it's also, I mean, with that said, it's like I've really, being on the internet has been a way more positive experience than I ever would have thought. And we have really nice comment sections. It's just like people are super sweet. It's people who build things. It's people who understand how difficult it is and how scary it is to put out things that you're making into the world. So I feel like just people are generally really, really kind and smart. You've become a really well-known name in technology and in kind of maker circles. Do people ever express to you their fears about technology and its capacity for negative consequences? And, and how do you respond to concerns like that? I know, I feel like a lot of people who know who I am or who follow my work and are also in technology and are kind of in on the on the ups and downs and the and the concerns of it so I I wouldn't say that people come up to me being like oh my god what am I gonna do if the robots come and attack us (laughs) do people not even make jokes about that in the comments surely they must do it's a lot of robot apocalypse jokes (laughs) but I also feel like I mean I'm I'm kind of it's all about hoping that you're on the robot's good side 
once they start getting smart enough to actually start an uprising. So you, you just get you get to start that relationship early on. And <laughs> then I'll have a list of names of people I, I, I want for them to spare, you know? Well, they'll like you, right? Because you're a friend to the useless robots, the kind of downtrodden, the underdog. Mm, right. Okay, m- maybe then I create an army that uprises against the uprising army. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the rebellion. (laughs) One fear people have about technology is around its impacts on our health, as it enables a more sedentary lifestyle and encourages compulsive behaviour. But technology has also been harnessed to help us manage our health, with apps that track menstruation or games like Zombies Run that put a fun spin on jogging. And developers have also started to come up with ways to help mental health through things like online therapy and mood journals and the popular guided meditation app Headspace. Simone's robots might generally be pretty terrible at performing their tasks, but when it comes to well-being, she's decided to make something genuinely useful. So I'm launching my first real product, which is really exciting. And it's such a different process from building just one prototype of something on YouTube. Like it's definitely, it's, it's a, it's a whole other realm. Um, But the project started, it's, it's a calendar to help you keep track of your daily habits. And the project started because I really wanted to start meditating but I also realized that I had been trying to start meditating for almost 10 years, but I would always like give up after a week or two, which is an experience I think a lot of people have, like whenever you have a New Year's resolution or something like that. It's really difficult to keep your motivation up and keep your accountability to the commitments you make. So when I was going to start meditate meditating, I was like, what if I have make myself a calendar that is just a physical reminder um, of, of the commitment I made and that clearly shows me my progress and I wonder if that would help. So the everyday calendar is this grid that represents a whole year and it's all the days are lit up. So if you tap a day, then you light it up. So I use it for meditation, but you can use it for practicing to play the guitar or eating your vitamins or flossing or eating a bucket of kale a day, like anything you feel like you want to do every day. And if you do your thing that day, you get to tap that day and light it up. So at at the end of the year, if you stick stuck with it for every day, then it's like a whole grid of, of lit up LEDs. Um, but it's just like this art piece that kind of helps you stay motivated with the changes you want to make. This seems like quite a departure from your work on useless robots. I mean, for one thing, it's it's useful. And for another thing, it's it's focused on well-being. What do you think is the main reason for that change? I mean, it is a pretty difficult pitch being like, hey, I'm mostly known for making useless machines. <laughs> and now I want to I want to like want to show you something that I want you to consider buying. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's mostly, I mean, I build shitty robots. I love building shitty robots, but I also build a lot of other things that actually solve problems. And it's been the departure. I mean, the reason I decided to actually take this to production was because it really worked for me. Like for the first time I've meditated every day for a year. And that's the first time ever in my life that I've managed to do that. So I was just like been like, oh, this really works. And I think it would apply for a lot to a lot of other people. But of course, it's like, it's, it's a bit of a, we'll see how people react to it. Because I don't know, I mean, maybe they're like, why is it not throwing soup at your face? (laughs) 
and they're all, I don't know maybe they'll be upset about that who knows it actually sounds quite cool I think I should get one for my kegels <laughs> that's like the only yeah. thing I think of that's like a daily thing <laughs> yeah I know I was actually making a version of the video where I joked about that <laughs> I was like oh you can do it for exercising or kegels <laughs> whatever <laughs> but it's like yeah because it's like easy like I also man I want to do kegels every day but I always forget to do them so it's just like this like visual reminder um, and it's much easier to, it's it's kind of difficult to understand or to explain in just words. It's like you just see a, a short video of somebody coming up and tapping it and you understand what it's all about. Mm. We're used to hearing that technology enables us to have a better connection with other people. Do you think it also can allow us to have a better connection with ourselves? And do we need it to? I think so. Yeah, I think, I mean, technology can support us in all of our endeavors. Technology is a tool, so it kind of becomes what we want it to be. And I I think things like these can definitely help us stay on track with with taking care of ourselves. Um, And it's also a thing. I'm just trying to honestly outsource a lot of the things that I use my phone for. So, I mean, you you could use something similar with this with your phone and it could like send you notifications and alerts and be like, do your Kegels. Um, But I just want to use my phone less. And then it's like, okay, can I lift that thing out of my phone and have it be this physical object that I like looking at instead? Because I don't like looking at my phone. That's interesting because I was going to ask about kind of our over-reliance on technology and maybe the danger of relying on it for tasks that we previously did without technological assistance. But it sounds like what you're doing is kind of moving the technology to a more palatable kind. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's mostly, it's like, I'm, I'm not, I don't think that people are starting to get sick of technology in itself. I feel like it's the connected aspect and the the parts of technology that induce a lot of stress in people, or at least in me. Like, I don't, like, looking at my phone stresses me out. Looking at my computer stresses me out. Looking at this calendar that's just a bunch of LEDs on a wall is not going to stress me out. So, yeah, I feel like in some way it's like, I don't want things to be smart. I don't want like a smartphone necessarily. I kind of want to dumb things down a little bit. Along those lines then, some prominent technologists seem to have found that working at the forefront of technology has made them more cautious about its use. So we've seen pictures of Mark Zuckerberg with tape over his webcam and Google has this new focus on digital well-being with their Android OS. So have you found, do you think, that it's immersing yourself in technology that's made you more skeptical about it? Well, so I'm not so much on the forefront of technology as on the back front. So <laughs> things look a little bit different back here. Um, but no, definitely. I mean, I think we're all seeking out. It's like I just long for like being in the forest and having no technology around me and kind of been put in situations where you're you're not tempted to just constantly be online. Um, and I also, I tape over my camera. I try to protect all my social media with good passwords and, and, and things like that. But I think we're all, we're all kind of, kind of dealing with a minor technological hangover. So if you have this kind of urge to run away into the forest and disconnect, do you ever go through with that? Do you ever think you just turn everything off completely? I, I dream about it a time when I will be able to. I mean, just for a week or two. 
happened. It's it's difficult. So many things are entangled in technology, so it's kind of hard to separate yourself from it sometimes. I'd like to thank Simone Yach for joining us on the show this week. You can find out more about her work on her YouTube channel, which we'll link to in the episode description on the Guardian website. What mundane task would you build a crappy robot to do for you? Let me know by emailing chipspodcast at theguardian.com. This episode of Chips With Everything was produced by Eva Krisiak. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.